I'm going to pray. And we're just going to just go right in. But God, you are good. And we thank you, Father God, for giving us the opportunity to know more about you. Lord, I pray in this time and this space, you meet us where we're at. Lord, speak to us. Guide us, direct us. Lord, in my weakness, use me. Lord, we come before you, excited to hear what you have to share. We love you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, after all. Perfect. Like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, I feel like it's been a long time since I've met with you all and have been in worship with you all. Uh, we have done a lot, the youth ministry this summer has done a lot of things between a hosting Project Redlands and then right after that, literally right after that, leaving for Camp Dunamis and then a little week and a half break in there with 4th of July and then leaving for Montana for nine days and then coming back and just trying to survive. <laughs> so it's been very, a very busy summer. So for our high school and middle school students, uh, just a couple announcements. We are having like a, a calendar of like end of the summer stuff coming out within the next week. It'll be posted on our Instagram and our Facebook and in the newsletter. So keep an eye out for that. I'm making that. So yeah, there's that. Um, but like I said, God is doing a lot of great work and we, we get to be a part of that. Um, and this morning, we, with this past uh, few weeks, we've been going over this sermon series, uh, Welcome to the Party. And, and being part, welcoming to this party, one thing that pertains to being part of this party is welcoming, is the actual part of welcoming others to this party, and how we respond to others coming to this party. I mean, I remember, we, we, I've been a part of before where and like dinners and gatherings where I've been invited to and I show up and two people say hi to me and I just sit there in the corner not knowing how to engage because everybody just looks and you're just like, okay. And then there's times where you're like at the party and it's just so much going on and you're like, this is fun, this is good. And out of, those, out of being at those parties comes conversations. There are conversations that can be really good, really fruitful, and then there's conversations that can just be very uncomfortable. Kind of like you don't want to really talk about it. You don't want to, you, you try to avoid it. And as we, look, as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to talk about our response to conversations, our response to those good conversations and those difficult conversations. And what our role is as followers of Jesus to engage in those conversations. If you turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 15 this morning, Acts chapter 15, and when you're there and if you are able to, uh, please stand for the reading of the word. So Acts chapter 15. Let's read verses 1 through 21. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you, have, you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this 
Question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. And some of the believers who had belonged to the Pharisees, the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter brought up, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know what some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from the lips in the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do we try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that can neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved as they are. Verse 12, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon had, has, been, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The word of the prophets are in agreement with this. It is written, after this, I did return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I, its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the, the remnant of men may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has preached in every city from the earliest times and has read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, there, there, are, there are moments where we hear things, and it causes us to ask the question, excuse me? Like, have you guys ever heard, like, been in a conversation or somebody has said something that you're just like, huh? Did you just, did you just say that? Ex ex like, your response is, excuse me? Like, did you just say that? Did those words come out of your mouth? Like, did you really muster up the strength to say those words? And why would you say those words? It could be something simple as, for example, when we were in Montana, someone said, hand me a pop. And I said, excuse me, what is pop? And they looked at me like, you know, a pop. And I'm like, I don't know what a pop is. It's, what is a pop? And oh, there's other things where somebody can say really ignorant things, and you're just like, um, excuse me, really? And sometimes our response, for, for example, our response can be very, like, it can be very welcoming. It can be, oh, what do you mean by that? Or it could be something different where you, like, just want to start laying hands on. And I remember... I remember one time hearing, hearing stuff and just hearing something, and I'm like, oh, like it doesn't sit right. And we, we, see, we see things that we don't necessarily agree with all the time. We see it, 
every day. There's always something there that we see. It could be a conversation or he- seen here. Uh, it can be a conversation at work, a conversation within our own families. It can be on Facebook and or social media, and we want to respond. And sometimes some of us have taken that rule like, we're not going to respond. It's not good. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to stay quiet. We're going to be still. We're just going to sit there and not say anything. And sometimes this stuff, and sometimes our response shouldn't be silence. Sometimes our response shouldn't be silence. We hear stuff that makes us question, and sometimes it makes our blood boil. It can be post-conversations. And our response isn't necessarily a bad thing. Let's just put that out there right now. Our response to that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Prime example, we look at Paul right now, okay, in verse 1 through 3. Paul and Barnabas were, were in Antioch, okay? They were in Antioch, and they heard a message that was being shared that were requiring Gentiles to follow the Jewish law and the Jewish practice of being circumcised. And mind you, at this time, Paul and Barnabas, like, the gospel is already spreading to the four corners of the world. It is for everybody, for all men to hear. And they hear something that's like, uh, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't what Jesus said. This isn't why Jesus came. There's, there, this isn't okay. And Paul and Barnabas' response wasn't to be quiet. They said, oh, no, they'll figure it out. They didn't do that. Paul and Barnabas got up and said, we, we got to fix this. We got to do something about this because it, it pertained to the gospel of Jesus. Their response came out of, out of passion and love and honor for the gospel of Christ. Something was, was, was challenging the gospel, and their response was not silence. Their response was, let's talk about this. Let's discuss this. Let's, 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 let us live into this and talk about it. And we see in verse 1 through 3 that some men came down from Judea to Antioch, and they were teaching the brothers, unless you, were been, you were circ- are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. Verse 3, I mean verse 2, it says they were appointed to go to Jerusalem from Antioch. Okay, I don't know about you. Okay, I'm just going to be honest right now. I don't like hiking that much. Okay, I just don't. It's hot. You, you gotta, it's just too much. You got to go up and go back down. Some of the views are cool, but I'm not a huge fan of hiking. If I'm going to hike in the, for a fishing spot, then that's fine. There's a reward at the end. But if I'm just going up and back down, I'm not a huge fan of that. And so, but you're looking at like Paul and Barnabas here, okay? To go from Antioch to Jerusalem, if they travel 20 miles a day, that's a 15-day travel. 15 days of straight-up walking and hiking to get to Jerusalem. This is their response. This is how passionate they were about this. I don't know about you, but I haven't been so passionate about responding to something where I'm traveling 20 miles or 20 days by foot or 15 days by foot. I just don't do that, okay? Paul and Barnabas were so passionate about this, they had to make sure that this was going to be okay, They had to make sure that Christ was going to be the center of this. 
And their response was to go to Jerusalem, a place that was a 15-day travel. 15 days of walking. It's hot. I don't know about you, but these past two weeks have been miserably hot. I've been sweating. It's just been miserable. I don't want to talk to nobody because it's just hot. And they're traveling in this because they're passionate about what God is doing. They want to make sure there is change, and they want to make sure that Christ is the center of it all. Not a false message, not a false hope, but that they know that the gospel is for all men. And so their response is not to sit in silence. Their response is to get up, talk to the elders and the apostles and other believers that, they're, that they are there living with and teaching with and sharing life with. They have that community, that discussion with their community, and they're sent out to go to Jerusalem, the place in which Jesus was on earth his final days, where the church started, where the church began, okay? Where the church started, he, they are appointed to go there because they're messing up. That, that kind of, it should be a little way like, okay, the first church messed up. They're preaching something that's not necessarily true, that they are not bound by the law, but, they are, but man is saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And so, Paul and, and Barnabas are going down. They're stopping at other churches along the way through Phoenicia and Samaria. They're going into the heart of Gentile land, the heart of it, the capitals of it. And they're making sure that the people there know the gospel. They're making sure that people know the truth. And as they go down, verse 4 hit me really hard. It said, verse 4, it said this. I lost my page. There we go. Verse 4 said this. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. We don't see something that we would necessarily do. If we heard somebody was coming down to tell us that we were wrong, I don't necessarily think we'd be like, hey, welcome. Like, no. Some of us would close the door. Some of us wouldn't even respond. Some of us would just leave town. But we see something different here with the church, with the body of believers. They welcomed Paul and Barnabas. They welcomed him. They welcomed them. They greeted them. And they wanted to know what God was doing. Share with us what God is doing in your life. It didn't go into straight debate. It didn't go into, like, it didn't clash. They were talking about what God was doing because Jesus was the center of it all. They traveled to go to preach a good news to a place that got it a tiny bit wrong. And the people receiving that, that difficult news of, hey, you're wrong, they were welcomed. They welcomed each other. They were greeted by the apostles and the elders, the leadership. They, they were greeted by the headship of that church. They were greeted by those who were in charge, not by like the congregants, not by the other side people, but the main leaders of that church welcomed them. They shared what God was doing, and they didn't allow disagreements to keep them from engaging with one another. 
Let me say that again. They didn't allow disagreements to keep them from engaging with one another. They didn't avoid conversation. They engaged in it. They engaged in conversation despite there being differences, despite there being a separation a little bit between the law and what Jesus did. They engaged in conversation. They didn't avoid it. Paul and Barnabas didn't go the opposite way up to Ephesus. No, he went down, they went down to Jerusalem and they engaged in conversation and there was God, God was at work in that conversation. They were welcomed. It was a community and it's a beautiful picture of what the church is. It's a beautiful picture of a family. Despite there being miles apart, despite there being differences, because of Christ, we can come together. It reminded me, as I was thinking of, of this welcoming, um, like I mentioned earlier, me, 12 students, and two other leaders took, uh, took a trip all the way up to Montana. And for nine days, two days, or day and a half up, day and a half back, but we were there for seven days to a, a little place called Manhattan, or Church Hill, Montana. Some of you guys have family out there. Um, it's a small little community up in these hills of Montana. There isn't much. The drive up there is beautiful. And as we're driving up there, we're tired. We've been in the car all together for 15 and a half hours. If you want to be in a car for 15 and a half hours with high schoolers, let me know. We'll go next summer. I bet all you guys are going to sign up. So we're driving up. I'm tired. We, we finally get to the church parking lot, and there is this like the biggest welcome group ever. Like there's people with speakers, they're cheering us on. Like we showed up and it felt like royalty. They're like, welcome! Like they're cheering us on. They're helping us unload. They're help cleaning our vans. Like I'm like, who are you people? My own students don't even do that. And you're over here cleaning stuff up and, clean, and like helping us unload. But they made us feel like we were home. They welcomed us with open arms. They fed us so good, okay? They fed us so great. And they loved on us and they cared for us and they prayed with us and they welcomed us into their homes, to their community. We did the same thing with the students from Chicago. As we're in Montana, as we're there, um, as you get to know each other more, certain conversations begin to come up. Certain conversations that might make people uncomfortable. Um, they knew, like, oh, you guys are from California. And I'm like, yeah. And for some reason at times, that conversation, it doesn't matter where I've been in the country, that conversation, me sharing that I'm from California brings on a lot of questions regarding everything. Why do you call it soda and pop instead of pop? Why are you guys, quote unquote, so liberal? Why are you guys so this? Why are you guys so that? And for one dinner, it was just like bombarded with questions. And I just sat there and I looked and I said, you know, the cool thing about that all is like, I love Jesus and you love Jesus and you live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like, that's pretty awesome, right? But it took, it, 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 because, of this, because of Jesus being the center of our lives, because Jesus being the focus on why we were there, we were not there to gain fame for us. We were not there to gain fame for the church. We were there to make Jesus famous. There was 95 students there. 95 high school students gave up a week of their summer to show up 
to Churchill, Montana to serve his community. Churchill, Montana is not the number one destination for most tourists, okay? It's just not. A lot of need in this community. And 95 students all over the U.S. from Indiana, Wisconsin, California, other states, showed up to serve because of Jesus. There were tough conversations, and there were amazing conversations. But because Jesus was the center of it all, fruit came out of that. Lives were changed. Perspectives were shifted. Not on our own political agenda, not on our own like, background, but it was focused back on Christ. It was focused on who it needed to be focused on. And that's Jesus. In Montana, Jesus was there in an amazing way where students could let go of this baggage. Students can let go of this, thing, this, this, this ideology that they're taught and be reminded that it's about Jesus. Yes, there were disagreements that took place. Yes, there were tough conversations. But the, the speaker mentioned, his name's Aaron Bart. He's the uh, chaplain for uh, Dort College or Dort University. And um, the theme for that week for our message was this. Love God, love the world. Love God, love the world. As we begin to fall in a deeper love for God, our response to the world should be welcoming. Our response to the world should not be avoidance. It should not be neglect. It should not be turning our face, turning our backs. But it should be out of love and welcoming. And in Montana, we encounter that. We encountered that welcome. We encountered that love because of Jesus. And I think at times, as, and it's easy, to go, like, it's easy to go far away. It's easy to go to different places and experience Jesus. It really is. Sometimes the hardest place to experience Jesus is your own home, is your own community, your own church. And I, I was talking to some of my students in my small group, um, and my small group was made up of students from all over the nation. And I said, what, what is your fear, like, going back? What is your fear? And some of the students were replying that my church won't allow me to worship the way I want to worship, that my church is going to judge me, that my church is not going to understand what I went through this week. That broke my heart, that even their own home could not welcome them. We have a generation rising up, passionate, excited about Jesus, and yet they are scared because the older people don't let them worship Jesus the way they want to. Sometimes our response, sometimes we, we get in this routine of church, we get in this routine of tradition, and it, and it, and it allows us to put, blind, it puts blinders up, and it allows us to see what is only we're used to, what we're only used to. And we do not allow at times, we don't welcome 
We allow that tradition, that mindset to keep us from seeing who Jesus is in these students and seeing the work that Jesus is doing in these students. Our response at times isn't necessarily great. And it's not necessarily just with students. It can be with anybody. Our response to conversations, our response to appearance, our response to different things, can, a lot of times is just this. Or just, that's different, that's nice. It's not necessarily, hey, welcome. And that, that, that hurts me. And I'm, I'm not saying that we here at the river do that. I'm saying church as capital C church, the big church, the body of Christ, that our response to others at times can be like, oh, you are one of those. It becomes an us and them thing. But we look at verse 12, and this gives me hope. So as Paul and Barnabas is bringing forth the gospel and sharing what's been taking place and then sharing why they're there, they're having this intense discussion. In fact, um, Peter, Peter got up and just dropped a mic on them. Peter was like, no, like, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Jesus, like, there's like, if you look at verse 11, no, exclamation point, there's such passion behind that. And we think that our, like, when we hear somebody be passionate about something that necessarily we don't agree with, we kind of just tend to turn our face, turn the ear, ignore it, block it out because that's, you're wrong. But we look at verse 12, which is something very different with the church. Very different with the church. And it's this. The whole assembly, not part of it, not half of it, not three quarters, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. They listened in silence. There was no outburst. There was no, you're wrong, no, wrong, wrong. There was none of that. They listened in silence, hearing what God was speaking through them. Because the Jesus that I, that, because the Jesus that I claimed I worship and the Jesus that you claim to worship, how, uh, we gotta make sure we're, we're worshiping the same Jesus. And how can the Jesus in me love the Jesus in you? They sat there in silence and listened to what God was speaking through them. Through the, through like the disagreements, they sat there in silence and listened. They did not interrupt. They did not judge. They did not disband. They didn't walk out the doors. The church sat and they listened. They heard what was being shared and they listened. They didn't assume. They didn't create their own narrative. They sat there as a whole and listened. Their love for God allowed them to listen. Listening is a response. It's a response that God, that God calls us to. To be still. 
And as the disciples, and as the people there are gathered, and, there, and God is at work, because where any two or more are gathered, we know God's presence is going to be there. God was in the midst of that whole situation. And, they, and the people listened as one. They, hear, they heard what God was doing. Their love for Christ overflowed as a response to those who were speaking. Let me say that again. Their love for Christ overflowed and their response was listening. It was not judgment. These people in Jerusalem weren't bad people. They were people who desired to know God in a deeper way. They were people who desired to know Jesus to the full amount. And that desire, that passion to know Jesus should allow, allow them to be still and hear what God was saying. Their desire to know Jesus in a way that's so deep, that's so profound and so wide, it allowed them to listen because they desired it. They wanted to know there's a deeper love and a deeper passion to know what it was. And so, what is our response as followers of Jesus today? The church in 2018. What is our response when we have disagreements? What is our response when we, when we hear things? What is our response when someone speaks up and says, hey, I think this is what this is and how we should approach it? Is our response to Stand up, say, no, you're wrong. Wrong. Is it to write a letter? Signed anonymous? Is it, is it to, is it outcast? No, I don't think it's any of that, actually. I think we already know what that response should be. And I think our response should be to listen. I think our response first needs to be to welcome those. To welcome. Engage with them. Welcome, engage, and listen. Our response as followers of Jesus needs to be just that. It's not to distance ourselves. It's not to separate us. It's not to make... I almost fell. It's not to make them and us. It's not to make like, them and us. It's not to do that. That's not what our goal is. It's not to create this division. It's not to create those people or these people and my people. It's not that. That is not our response and that's what we naturally want to do. But Jesus doesn't call us to do that. Instead, Jesus invites us. And as Jesus invites us to know him deeper, as Jesus invites us to love him more passionately, as Jesus continues to show up in our lives in a more and powerful way, our response should be the same exact thing. Our response should be the same exact way to those who we don't necessarily agree with all the time. Our response should not be quick to speak, but our response should be quick to listen. Disciples, listen. They welcome, 
They engage in life. They get to know the stories that are taking place. They want to hear what God is doing in your life. That's what we should be asking people. Not a like, what do you think on this? What do you think on that? It should be a, hey, what is God doing in your life? Let me hear what God is doing in your life. I want to know. As followers of Christ, we should be passionate about that. We should be excited to hear what God is doing. We should be excited to hear the work that Jesus is doing in the lives of our, in our community. But instead, at times, we distance ourselves and build these walls that get nowhere and accomplish nothing. But my prayer is this, is that we as a church, big church, capital C church, not the river, big church, followers of Jesus, can engage and welcome. And that we as a church can be a safe place for those conversations to take place. My prayer is that the church can be the place in which those tough conversations can flourish. Those difficult conversations, those those hard conversations that we try to avoid, that we see on Facebook, and we're just like, ah! My prayer is that we can have fruitful and life-meaning, kingdom-moving conversations in our church that we can be a place that does not build barriers, that we can build a place, that we can be a place that doesn't cause division, but we can be the body of Christ and welcome. The power of listening builds bridges. The power of listening builds bridges. It creates a network. It creates a stronger body. Let us be a place that does that. Let us be a place that creates unity. Let us be a place, a, a, a community that welcomes, that engages, and that listens. Let us be quick to listen and slow to speak. And let us be reminded that Jesus should be the center of it all. That Jesus should be the center of our lives and the center of our conversations. And as we live a life, let's continue to seek that. There's power in listening. Lives are changed when people listen. So many times when I meet up with students who are going through difficult things, I ask them, what what do you need from me right now? And 98% of the time, it's just, I need you to listen. I just need you to listen. There's power in listening. Let us be a community. Let us be a church that listens, that welcomes, that engages, and that listens. Why? Not to make ourselves look great, but to make Jesus famous and to build the church. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much 
First of all, God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you, Father God, for your sacrifice on the cross for us. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to live our lives, that we continue to move forward, I pray, Father God, that you equip us in a way, Father God, that we are quick to listen and slow to speak. Father God, break our pride. Break the walls that we have built up. Break the chains. And Lord, I pray that out of your riches and your goodness that you bless us, you guide us and direct us. May we be a church that listens. May we build community. May we welcome. May we engage. May we listen. Lord, we love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.